Well, um, if you remember a few weeks ago, we studied Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Remember that? We talked about how Ecclesiastes 5 tells us to guard our steps as we draw near to the house of God. And it was a great reminder today when, uh, when Jim kind of stopped us in the beginning of worship and said, okay, let's, let's make sure our hearts really mean these words. Because we don't want to just want to rush into the, the presence of God and say a bunch of words. In fact, uh, the passage tells us that we should not be hasty in our hearts to utter anything before God. And it's this whole idea of the temple and coming before the temple of God. I, I mean, if you want to read about the temple and the dedications in 1 Kings 8, you can read that at some point. But, but the whole idea was um, when Solomon finished the temple with all the people and they built this temple, they, they put the ark in the, of the covenant into the holy of holies. And it talks about how the glory of God filled that place to where, you know, everyone just kind of had to back away from the temple. Because the presence of God now dwelt there. And it was just an awesome, awesome, amazing time. And now, now imagine if you yourself, right now, were approaching that temple. Imagine how you would feel as you approach that temple of God, knowing that in some way, God truly dwelt there. Somehow he dwelt there in that holy of holies, you know, behind that curtain. We don't understand it all. And obviously he wasn't limited to this one spot. And Solomon even says that in his prayer. He goes, obviously the heavens can't even contain you. It's not like we're building a little house for you to, to live in. And yet in some way your real presence was there. So people would approach that place with such reverence. I mean, wouldn't you? As you approach that temple. And that's why Ecclesiastes 5 says, hey, don't be hasty to just say things. You're coming into the presence of God. Don't make foolish vows. Be careful with your words. Just, just be, don't be hasty to say anything at all. Just draw near to listen. Just, just, just kind of be quiet. Be still. Come into the presence of God. Where is the temple of God now? If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I, I've been dwelling on this truth for the last few days, and ah, oh, this has hit me hard. This has hit me hard. I hope you're ready for this. Uh, just, just this whole concept and truly, truly believing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 which I know many of you are already familiar with, but verses 16 and 17. Look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17, this is New Testament, this is now. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Okay, this is an amazing truth. You know, that temple that, that housed somehow the glory of God in the New Testament, what Jesus is teaching, what Paul is teaching here in 1 Corinthians is, is I am that temple now. Every bit as real as that temple there in Jerusalem, you know, in that holy of holies. He says, don't you understand that you now are the temple of God? Do you really believe that? He says, God's temple is sacred. I'm just going to 
Terry? Lay? Do you mind standing up for a second? Isn't that just nerve-wracking when the pastor calls your name in the middle of a message? Or do you mind standing up? Just, I just pick you because I figure you'd roll with me. Um, as you look at her, do you really see her as housing God? Like you, you may just say, okay, well, there's, there's another person in our church. There's Terry Lay. There's a girl. You know, I don't know if you see beyond the physical and, and look and go, that's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just as I approach the temple of God, like we said in the Old Testament, if we approach the Holy of Holies, we would do it with reverence and we wouldn't just speak anything. We wouldn't just utter anything. Well, there's the temple of God now. And the whole idea is, is as I approach Terry, I need to approach her with, with the sense that she is holy. She's sacred. And so I got to be careful about my words to her because that's the temple of God now. See, sometimes we walk in a room and we walk in this church and we go, okay, here's a girl, there's a guy, there's a man, there's a woman. No, no, that's the temple of the Holy Spirit in a very real way. I need to treat her with honor because God dwells inside of her. Just as I would treat the temple as sacred, I need to treat Terry as sacred. And, and Jamie, you better treat her as sacred. I mean, the Bible says you better not mess with her. First, First Peter 3 says you better treat her with honor as a fellow heir of grace of life, otherwise your prayers will be hindered. God says, do you understand? That's not just, that's not your wife, that's my daughter. That's my temple. And so you treat her with this type of honor and respect because of who she is. You can sit down. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You know, but it's just that thought. I mean, do we genuinely believe the words of God that right there is the temple of God? And that as I approach her, the Holy Spirit dwells in her. You guys, when I really dwelt on this passage this week, it really changed my perspective on people. It really changed my perspective on the body of Christ and the believers in this room, I, I've never really thought it through that much, to be honest with you. I never really thought through that passage that much. I mean, do I really believe this? That it, I mean, it says clearly, you are that temple now. And that's why I think that whole passage in 1 Peter 3, when he says, husbands, you better treat your wives with honor. You know, you respect her as that weaker vessel and you, you care for her, you cherish her. You, you, you know, you better treat her as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers are not hindered. It gave me a whole different appreciation for my wife because I, I'm realizing she's not just my wife. In fact, her identity is not Francis's wife. Her identity is God's daughter. And God says, don't you dare mistreat my daughter and then think you'll be buddy buddy with me you think you can you can treat my daughter my daughter Rachel or Mercy or Ellie I think that's all I have you know if uh, any of my daughters you think that you could mistreat any of my three daughters and then be all buddy buddy with me Are you kidding me are you kidding me right now you think you can say whatever you want to one of my girls and be okay with me? If you think that, you're completely wrong. Any father knows that. And so I, I look at that passage and God's saying, Lisa's my daughter. 
Francis, don't you dare mess with her. You think you can just treat my daughter any way you want and then you can just talk to me and your prayers won't be hindered? You gotta be kidding me. You, you understand that, that she's the temple of the Holy Spirit? It, it's changed the way I view my own children. You know, of course I want to treat my kids and love them and everything else because they're my kids and, and this whole passage just kind of threw me. I'm going, wait a second, they're not my kids. These are God's kids and so I better even have more honor for them. I better treat them with even more love and more respect. These are God's children. These are temples in which he dwells. Uh, that, that's been really, really intense for me. Because as a father, I know the wrath and protective nature of a father. I, I know how protective I am of my kids. And, and it's been a real encouraging passage to me, too, to think that I'm one of God's children. And that's why God says, he goes, I'm defensive of my kids. I'm defensive of my temple. See, because in there in verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. He goes, don't you understand? You're sacred now that I'm a child of God. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why I go, you better not mess with me. Seriously. Not because I can take you down. I could, but you know, not, not because of that. But the whole idea is, he says, you, you, what you're looking at, see, sometimes you, we look at each other and go, oh, I was just a guy up there, just, you know, flesh and blood, oh, it's Pastor Francis, whatever. No, that's not what's on stage right now. Is, is that all you see on the stage right now? There's a lot more than that. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of me. And that's why you treat me with respect. And that's why I treat you with respect. That's why as we draw near to the temple of God, we guard our steps, we watch our words. You guys, this, this whole thing just completely changed the way I speak to people. I, I hope it has anyways. I know it has the last couple of days anyways. When I really understood this truth, I thought, man, I, just, I, I look at you differently right now. There's a sense of protection. There's a sense of awe that God's spirit dwells inside of you. Is that where you find your identity? You know, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29, it's, it's a passage we're going to spend some time on here. And, and we've, many of us have memorized this verse. Many of us have quoted this verse. And it's a very powerful passage having to do with our speech and what we say to one another. But it's particularly powerful when you read it in context. When you see the context of this verse. Because we've used this to talk about, hey, be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful what you say. But when you read this in context now, especially in light of what I just said, pay attention. For Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And look at this, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, don't grieve. Don't, I mean, the, the word literally means to grieve. Don't, don't cause pain. Don't cause this hurting, this grieving, this pain in the Holy Spirit of God himself. That, that, that there's something I can do that actually causes pain for God. I mean, at least that's what the words say here. It's what the Greek implies, that there's some sort of grieving, some sort of pain that God can actually experience and that I can cause that. And not only that, but he explains that it's through my words. To other people it's, it's it's what I say the words out of my mouth can actually grieve the Holy Spirit of God and that's why he says don't let anything come out of your mouth that isn't wholesome but only what will build others up only the words that are helpful for building others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by saying things to other people that aren't helpful that are full of bitterness, that are full of rage, you'll be grieving the Holy Spirit of God. That's pretty intense. I don't really feel like I need to say a whole lot more. You know, this whole idea of this, this uh, initially when I, I, I thought about this series on our speech, you know, saying we talk too much, we don't think about what we say, I, I didn't realize how deep this really ran. I didn't realize just the importance of this in God's eyes until this week. See, because it's not about watching your mouth, okay? It's about watching your heart. It's so much deeper than saying, ooh, I'm just going to bite my tongue, I'm going to bite my tongue, I'm going to bite my tongue. That's not what the scriptures are teaching here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus is confronting the Pharisees here. And he says in verse 34, you brood of vipers. That means you you snakes, you whatever. You, You fill in the blank. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Did you ever know that this was such a huge sin? The words that came out of our mouths? Because what he's saying here is because it's not just about the words that come out of your mouths. The words that come out of your mouths are a reflection of what's really in your heart. That's why you're judged for the words. You remember when Isaiah chapter 6, passage we've looked at many times, he comes before the throne of God and he falls. He's just just so humble. He just goes, woe is me. He goes, I am dead. I am ruined. Why? He goes, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. 
The first thing he noticed, I'm standing before God and I know some of the things that have come out of this mouth, so I am dead. He's going to kill me. I'm about to be destroyed, he says. Why? Because I know what's coming out of this mouth and God knows what's coming out of this mouth. And Jesus says here, he goes, don't you understand? It's, it's not so much what comes out of your mouth. It's because what's coming out of your mouth is coming from here, your heart. And it's out of the overflow, out of all the, the sickness and the, the greed and the malice and the sin, the, all the hatred, it's coming out. And it's, it's coming to fruition through your lips. See, it's not an issue of a tongue. It's the issue of your heart. Why you gossip is not because you can't control your mouth. It's because there's something wrong with your heart. The reason why you slander and say negative things about other people is not because you couldn't bite your tongue. It's because there's hatred in your heart. There's evil in your heart. It's the same thing that causes you to put people down, belittle people down. It's not watching your mouth, it's watching your heart. You see, this this message is not about disguising your feelings or suppressing your feelings so you can say nice things to other people. Let me hide what I really feel and just say some really nice things. Now it's about changing what's really in your heart, changing your feelings so that it will just naturally, to actually have love for people in your heart so you'll naturally say loving things to them. That's what this is about. Man, I've really had to repent over this one. I, I'm, I'm praying for my heart because there's times when I just don't, I, I don't love. I, I, I was at a kind of a pastor's conference, you know, last couple of weeks in different places and, and just yesterday or the day before or something, you know, one of the pastors came up and he says, man, I'm just having a hard time I'm just having a hard time pastoring these people because I don't love them. He goes, how do you love people who annoy you? And I I had to honestly tell him, I go, you know what? Don't ask me. I I haven't figured this one out. She looks loving. Go ask her. You you know, it's just like, you know, just, I got to confess. There are times when that love's just not there. And I'm praying. I'm going, God, help me to love in all situations. Um. Ask God to enable you to love daily. That's what this is about. In Isaiah 29, 13, God talks about these people and he says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God's talking about people that are offering him lip service. And, uh, you know, God is concerned. He's concerned about what comes out of our mouths. You see it throughout scripture, but he's also concerned about what's in our hearts. And he says, you know, I, I, I can see through your words. That's why I love, again, that Jim said that, you know, in the beginning, to get us to think through, okay, do you really mean this from your heart? See, you see like every week I share with you the gospel message. I share with you how to get to heaven because I know every week, every service, there are people who come and it's their first time here. Maybe you haven't had a church experience. You don't even understand. You see a cross like I did for many years of my life, but I had no clue what it meant. I hear about Jesus dying on the cross, but I'm like, why do you do that? You know, and everyone cry when talking. So I try to explain it to you. Trying to explain to you that first of all, the Bible says that we've all sinned against God. We've all offended him. 
And I, and, I, and I ask you, do you believe that? But my question is, do you really believe that from your heart? Don't just say, well, I know I'm guilty. And I know Jesus died on the cross and he paid for my crimes. And so, you know what, I, I believe in that, I, I, I'm forgiven, I'm going to go to heaven. We can all say that. I can, I can have you pray a prayer and say some words and say, okay, Lord, forgive me, I've sinned against you, I believe in your son, he died for me, come into me, make me a new person, I'll start following. We can all do that. But it really means nothing. It's all about the attitude of the heart. He says, there's people who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There are people that will come in and get baptized, and you can come, walk in here, get in the water, and we'll dip you in the water, and that symbolizes you dying to your old self. And then you come out of the water symbolizing, I'm going to live a new life now. But even that, that's just lip service, unless you really believe it in your heart. And my question to you is, do you really, genuinely, from your heart, not just with your lips and your mouth to please your parents or your spouse or whoever may be here, you know, but do you from your heart, do you genuinely from the core of your being recognize your own sinfulness and go, you know what, Lord, I really know, you know, I know how evil I've been. I personally know that I, I don't have any hint of me that, that believes that I've lived a good life. I know I've messed up. I know I deserve your punishment. Do you believe that in your heart? And, and in your heart, do you really believe that God, out of love for you, sent his son, truly his son, the son of God, and that he died on that cross? He was paying the, you know, the penalty for your sins. He was paying for it. Do you believe it so much that, that in your heart you really believe you're completely clean in his eyes now? You really believe it that much? To where you believe, man, I've been washed. I'm perfectly clean in God's eyes. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God. That, that God looks at me right now. I'm his son. I'm totally righteous. See, because sometimes we'll say certain things like that, but do we believe them in our hearts? Or are you still riddled with guilt? Still questioning whether you're forgiven for certain things because they were so bad? Or do you believe from your heart? that Christ died on the cross for that, and you're completely pure and completely righteous. You're a child of God. And when you died to your old self and you asked Christ to come into your life and the Holy Spirit came into you, do you really believe that his spirit dwells in you now? You really believe you're a temple of the Holy Spirit now? God dwells in you and you are now sacred. And that's why you're a slave to what's right. Did you mean that when you got baptized? Did you mean it from your heart? Or did you just honor God with your lips even though your hearts were far from him? See, that's salvation. And that's something anyone can have today. That's the gospel message. That's, a, that's the greatest thing I could speak with my lips today. Now, having said that and, and saying that about our hearts, you know, we, the Bible is very clear that we need to watch what we say. Um... But I want to be careful that we make sure that it's a heart issue and we deal with it. And having dealt with that and having prayed with that and say, God, change my heart. The Bible's, you know, I, I, I heard this acrostic. I, I don't like to steal things from other people. I want the Holy Spirit to create new things in me, teach me new things every week. And, and yet sometimes you hear something from someone else that, that God taught them. And I go, wow, that, that's so powerful. And a guy in our church um, a couple years ago told me about this, this, acrost, this message he heard. He said it was from Greg Laurie, but I couldn't find it on the internet. Um, but he, it spelled out the word think, and he talked about how we need to think before we speak. 
and the T-H-I-N-K each, you know, stood for something. I thought, wow, this is so good. I mean, it was really good. He says, you know, to think before you speak, and he says in the word, the, the letter T stands for true. First, before you say anything, ask yourself, is it really true? Is what I'm about to say absolute truth? Like Jesus said, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, anything beyond this, you go past that, anything beyond this is evil. He says those, the exaggerations, you know, the, you know, the embellishing of a story, that's evil, that you're going beyond the absolute truth. So before you make a statement, think before you speak, that T, think, is this absolutely true? What's about to come out of my mouth, is it really true? But the H stands for the word helpful. First, ask yourself, is it true? Secondly, ask yourself if it's helpful. Remember the verse we just looked at in Ephesians 4, 29. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Before you say anything, ask yourself, is this going to help this person? See, so often when we talk about speech in the church, we only talk about truth. But scripture says very clearly, don't even say anything unless it's helpful. See, a lot of times we'll say things about, you know, people. I, I could say, oh, Joshua's a jerk. And you're like, hey, don't say that. I go, it's true. <laughs> Did I lie? He is a jerk. You know, and we, we think, oh, okay, so, okay, okay, never mind. It's not gossip then. It's not slander then because it's true. You guys, it's not good enough to make true statements. You've got to ask yourself, is it true, but is it helpful? Does that build anyone, anyone edified just now because I called Joshua a jerk? By the way, he's not. I, I love Josh. Josh, he knows I love him. Okay, now that's helpful. That's building you up. He's a great, he's the vice president over Eternity Bible College. You need to honor him. <laughs> Woo! Okay. There you go. I love Josh. He's done so much for this church, so much for that college. Um, is it helpful? Does it build people up? You understand that? I mean, you are, I'm not reading anything into the text here, right? He says, don't let any unwholesome, you know, speech come out of your mouth, but only, only the things that are helpful that build others up. Is it true? Is it helpful? The eye was for inspirational. Does it, does it bring people to God? Does it, does it, does it bring glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Not for your own glory, not for your own benefit, but for God's glory. So does it inspire, does it bring them close to God? Be careful with the words that come out of your mouth. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it inspirational? And then the N, this is a great one, the N is the word necessary. Is it necessary? Why are you talking? <laughs> you know, the, the necessary, Proverbs ten nineteen. we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Remember James that taught us everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. He says, if you keep talking, you are going to sin. The more you talk, the more chance you have to sin. So ask yourself, is this necessary? Do I have to say this right now? Why am I about to say what I'm about to say? Is it necessary? Is it going to inspire anyone, bring them closer to God? Is it helpful to anyone? Is it going to build them up? 
Is it true even what I'm about to say? And then the K was, uh, is it kind? Isn't that a great acrostic? Uh, before I speak, to think through, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspirational? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Proverbs 12, 25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. The Bible talks about how our conversation should always be full of grace or charity. Everything that comes out of our mouth should be this kind, giving sense of speech. And he says, you know, that's what cheers a person up. And a lot of times I just don't think to be kind. That, that it's not natural for me. And, and it's, a, it's just a reflection of my heart. It just is. I'm praying for that, saying, Lord, I, I'm not, my words aren't kind. I don't think to say kind things to people. And I see what your word says, and I see what it's done. You know what happened this week? Oh, the impact of kindness. Okay, this week, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at a conference. I'm out in Atlanta, and, um, and my wife's here with the kids. You know, she's staying here, and, uh, and I'm away. And, you know, I've been away from the kids for two weeks. You know, it's just, just kind of whatever. You know, my wife's a little bummed out. She, you know, and, and I call her one night from there, there in Atlanta, and she goes, she goes, you know what I found on my doorstep today? She doesn't know what was on the doorstep. I go, what? She goes, your conference, they sent to our house a box of flowers with a note to me thanking me for letting you go to this conference and to minister to their people. <laughs> you know, and, and she just said, you know, I, I see these flowers and just brought tears to my eyes, you know? And, 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 and it's just like, you know what, honey, you can speak for them anytime you want, you know? It's just, it was just like, it lifted her up, it lifted me up. It's like, wow, how did they think to be that kind? Like that was the classiest thing any conference had ever done for me or, you know, it's just like, wow. I, I, remember I went to the leader the next day, I go, you know what, that was the coolest thing any conference has ever done for me for you to be that kind to my wife. And honestly, they had asked me to come back next year, you know, to do this thing, and I was like, I don't know. But then after the flowers, I'm like, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously, it's, it's amazing how suddenly her day was lifted up. Like, wow, that just made my day. I don't care that my husband's gone. I got these flowers, you know? Seriously, it's like someone was so kind to me that it just, it just changed my whole attitude. It changed my whole attitude. It was just, wow, it's amazing what kindness will do, the power of that. But we don't think to be kind that often. And uh, it's a reflection of the heart, and, I, and it's really bugging me that um, I, I look and I see some of the kind things that people do and say, and I go, Lord, I, I want to be that. I really do want to be that. Wouldn't that be cool if we were all that way? You know, if people walked in the room and it really was a room filled with people, filled with the Holy Spirit, respecting each other as temples of the Holy Spirit and not being quick with our mouths to say anything to anyone else because we recognize that's God's daughter, that's God's son over there. I, I better treat him with kindness. I better treat her with kindness. I better come to her with a sense of reverence because God lives inside of her and I don't dare blaspheme the temple of God.
pretty intense. You know, I just want us to have a time right now to repent. A time to just repent of some unkind words we may have said. Where, where maybe you can think right now of times you've, you've mistreated the temple of God. That you said something to one of God's daughters or one of God's sons or you said some pretty awful things about one of God's kids. One of God the Father's kids. You said something about them that was just wrong. And first of all, you need to come before God. I'm going to give you a few moments just to confess that to God and apologize to him for what you said to his daughter, to his son. And then make a commitment to go make those things right before the Lord. I mean, don't, don't say it. Don't, don't be quick to make that com- commitment to God because you don't make a vow you're not going to keep. Maybe better not even to, to make that vow to God, okay? Just in your own mind, in your own heart, to decide now that you need to go to some of these people and make it right because God's spirit dwells in them. This doesn't mean that we can say whatever we want to unbelievers, okay, obviously. You know, I'm just saying that there's a special, unique respect that we give to the temple of God. And uh, I can see the looks on your faces. We know we've blown it, right? And so let's apologize to God for what we said to his kids. If any of you guys need prayer, maybe even in your heart, you go, you know, I've never really begun that relationship with God. I may have said it with my lips, but I want to, from my heart, say it to God now. You need some prayer. There'll be some pastors, leaders up here at the church. But let me just give you some silence right now to just apologize to God for the things you've said to his kids.